I think if we can have a workforce that's future ready, that really is able to meet our customers' demands, then that for ourselves is a huge return on investment. We believe that we have a responsibility to continue to build our workforce as one of the largest private employers, but most importantly, because we firmly underscore that people are our most important asset. So that's really our emphasis. How it helps our communities, I think having a viable economy is really ensuring that people have opportunities for continued growth and development. And I can only grow and develop if I'm invested in. And I know that I'm being invested in. There's a revolution taking place right now. Talent and intelligence are equally distributed throughout the world, but opportunity is not. The talent economy, the idea that at the center of work is the talent, is the individual. The way we work has changed forever, and highly skilled talent is demanding flexibility around the way they work and the way they live. This podcast brings together thought leaders, staffing experts, and top talent to talk about the evolving nature of work and how companies can navigate these changes to remain competitive, drive innovation, and ensure success. Welcome to the Talent Economy Podcast. I'm Meredith Bodgus, Editorial Strategy Lead of TopTal. Today's guest is Donna Morris, Executive Vice President and Chief People Officer for Walmart, Inc., A member of the executive committee, Donna is responsible for attracting, retaining, and developing talent for one of the world's largest private employers. She's a native of Ottawa, Canada, now living near Walmart headquarters in Arkansas. Thanks so much for being with us, Donna. Thank you so much, Meredith. It's awesome to be with you today. Only would have been better if we were physically together, but we're all now accustomed. And in many ways, I guess we get to meet more people this way too, which is awesome. That has been a silver lining for me. I hope it's been that way for you, too. So you started at Walmart after 18 years at Adobe, just as the pandemic was hitting. What was that transition like? (laughs) You know, reflecting back, I knew it was going to be a big change going from one company after 18 years into a whole new organization. But I was super excited to join Walmart and I was aligned with the purpose, with the values, and I was all ready to make impact. And I will tell you, I certainly felt like I could quickly start to build relationships and navigate and make impact on our associates, given the crisis that we all had to address and deal with. And, you know, upon reflection, maybe a crisis was a terrible thing to waste and allowed me to meet people really quickly. And frankly, to galvanize the global people team to be highly effective as one organization focused on the well-being of our associates. So one thing I saw that Walmart is doing, it's just recently started, is offering $75 to every U.S. field associate who becomes fully vaccinated. Why did you decide to give this bonus? Ever since the pandemic hit, we've been concerned with the well-being of our associates. We launched and initiated what we call the COVID emergency leave policy to make sure that our associates, if they were concerned with their well-being, they had to quarantine or they were impacted by the virus, that they would have a benefit time off. And then when vaccines became available, we felt equally as passionate about 
our ability to influence and to encourage our associates to become vaccinated. We are certainly not mandating vaccinations, but in order to further incentivize individuals to consider vaccination, we believed that giving a bonus, an incentive of $75 was really prudent. And so we absolutely have seen hundreds of thousands, because we're a very large organization of associates tap into that benefit. We hope that that continues. If we ended up being in a situation that we paid 70, 80, 90% of our associates or 100% of our associates that bonus, that would be fantastic. Our key focus is making sure that individuals know that they've got easy access to the vaccination. And, you know, fortunately, all of our stores across the U.S. are vaccinating now. And so for our associates that work in store, they can do that very easily. And then for our associates that work in distribution centers, fulfillment centers, over the last few weeks or many weeks, we've actually stood up cohorts so that individuals could have easy access as well. That is wonderful. So for other companies who are hoping to encourage vaccinations within their workforce, what's your advice to them? You know, I think it depends on your workforce. And I think really understanding where you're located. I think that certainly different states have different and have had different mandates throughout this period of time. And so that in and of itself has encouraged people. For instance, some of the states that have had very active mask mandates, by virtue of not wanting to wear masks, people are leaning into vaccinations. Other states have been different. So what I would say is, first and foremost, understand your workforce. Make sure that you know what the key drivers are for their potential to get vaccinated. Ultimately, be focused on the safeguarding of the well-being of your associates. And if you believe that an incentive might further encourage people towards vaccination, then I think it's something worthy of consideration for sure. So I read that you've just released the Me at Walmart app to Walmart Associates. What is this app and why did you decide to release that along with giving 740,000 store workers smartphones? Me at Walmart is an app that allows associates to navigate their daily business in the context of one of our stores. It today is focused primarily on our store associates and it also provides information about individuals' own job, their own career at Walmart. They can access it for business purposes, and they can also have access from a personal viewpoint if they want to use it as a personal device. We believe that it's equipping our frontline associates with digital capabilities to do their job, but also to navigate in an increasingly more digital workplace and environment. So we're super excited. They're great devices. They're Samsung devices. So for some of our associates, it's the first that they've actually dealt with smartphones and they're loving it. In fact, we have associates that in the past, we would use different forms of communication that are saying, geez, just push out a notification, personalize it, allow me to get it on our digital device. So we're pretty excited about how this is shaping the ways of working for our individuals in the field. I'd love to hear more about how you think this app or just giving them smartphones might be empowering to your associates. Well, I think at the end of the day, we all want to be engaged and we want to have independence of action at work. So if I can come in and I can clock in first off on my device, no longer going to a wall clock, 
but I'm literally clocking in on my device and it's got geofencing so it knows where I am. I can actually have a tool that allows me to be far more empowered, far more productive. I no longer have to go perhaps to the back of the store to get information because I've got it right on my device. That increases my overall productivity, but it also increases my engagement. All of a sudden, I'm using something like Workplace, which is an app that allows people to engage. It's basically the Facebook extension within the enterprise. And so I'm starting to meet friends that might not actually be working during the same shift, but a lot of that is powered digitally. And so we look at it as an engagement tool, a development tool, and a work tool, all wrapped into one. We want our associates to view that they're not just doing a job here at Walmart, but they have a ladder of opportunity. And we believe increasing digital capability does actually provide increased capabilities and learning that can lead to that ladder of opportunity. I know Walmart is very focused on opportunities for their employees. I would really be interested in hearing more about the ways you are upskilling your workforce and about Live Better You, which allows associates to work toward degrees for just a dollar a day. And what other ways is Walmart upskilling their workforce right now? Yeah, so Meredith, we we have all framed three different areas by which we're investing in the development of our associates. First and foremost is on the job, things such as empowering and equipping with digital devices and what we call the ladder of opportunity. And that's a team structure within stores where individuals can grow within uh, the store, but they can also work as a member of a team. And as we all know, we learn as much from working with others as we do from any other mechanism. So there's a big investment in on-the-job learning and tools to support on-the-job learning. Next is our academies. We have more than 200 academies across the U.S., and these academies provide very specific targeted learning. So for instance, if I want to learn to be a cake decorator, or if I work in our auto center, or if I'm a team leader, there would be specific learning that I would actually participate in through our academies. During the pandemic, that uh, learning all came via remote and virtual. In fact, we had more than 2 million trainings during that period of time, which is incredible. We're starting to phase back to in-person academies, which is exciting. And then we look for associates that might be interested in finishing their high school education or getting a degree, their first degree or diploma. And that's through a program which we call LBU, Live Better University, It's in partnership with Guild, so another organization that helps us negotiate different contracts with educational providers so I can actually get my formal degree or diploma uh, from an educational institution for as low as a dollar a day on the part of the associate. And then Walmart is paying for all of the balance of that learning. So it's obvious why this benefits your associates. Tell me about how this benefits Walmart and the community at large. I think if we can have a workforce that's future ready, that really is able to meet our customers' demands, then that for ourselves is a huge return on investment. We believe that we have a responsibility to continue to build our workforce as one of the largest private employers, but most importantly, because we firmly underscore that people are our most important asset. And so that's really our emphasis. How it helps our communities, I think having a viable economy is really ensuring that people have opportunities for continued growth and development. And 
I can only grow and develop if I'm invested in. And I know that I'm being invested. I want to go back to the personal shoppers because I know that's an example of a future-focused, tech-enabled job. But I know Walmart is prioritizing those kinds of jobs at all levels. Can you give me some other examples of future-focused, tech-enabled jobs that Walmart is creating now or will soon create? Yeah, if I look at our jobs within our supply chain, so our distribution centers and fulfillment centers, increasingly those jobs are interacting with automation. We've got robotics operating in some of our distribution centers, fulfillment centers. And so it truly is a combination between human and technology. And then you bring that into the store. You know, I think of things like curbside and delivery which might seem like, how are they digital? But actually all of those orders are being fulfilled online. And so everything is shifting to interacting with those online orders and making sure to fulfill them. We've got great technology that allows people to stock our shelves by virtue of really virtual technology that's allowing them to see where we actually have to do it. If I then move and I say, okay, I'm an individual that works in our campus offices, those are increasingly digital because there hasn't been one job that hasn't intersected with technology and online. I look at something like our merchants. They're not just merchants to buy product that goes in the stores, but online too. So that means that they have to be thinking of the digital experience as much as the store experience. And so lots of examples, Meredith, but I would say there's not a job across Walmart that somehow isn't being touched, shaped, or influenced by technology. And frankly, outside of Walmart, that's probably no different in any other industry, right? We're all disrupting. I think the most important is, are we bringing our people along in that disruption? And are we really making sure that we're equipping them to be prepared for the future of work? So I know you're giving them the Samsung smartphones and you said that might be their first experience with a smartphone for associates who are not necessarily familiar with the technology that they are going to have to deal with every day. How are they being trained to use this technology and how is Walmart making them really familiar with it so it becomes second nature? A lot of this goes back to on the job. So for instance, there is a quick start program for individuals that are getting a mobile device for the first time, and then they're up and underway. You know, I think of the consumerization of digital the same way as all of us might be on social channels, right? None of us went to a course to know how to get onto Facebook or post to Instagram or tweet. And that's the same ease by which we're trying to build me at Walmart. It's also the same ease of many of the associate facing interfaces is we're trying to make it really consumer, really easy. So they, yes, there can be a quick kickstart, but then after that, it really allows the associate to be walked through what that experience is. I have to imagine that technology played a role in the new 24-hour hiring process that Walmart implemented during the pandemic, and that led to hiring half a million people. How did technology play a role in that? And what is the 24-hour hiring process? What does that look like? Yeah, so it absolutely is really a technology-driven solution that meets people where they're at. They took a process that was upwards to two weeks that had we'll call it online and offline. So multi-channel capabilities, people applying online, people applying offline. They 
blended that to make it all an online process that actually allowed the technology using AI machine learning to actually parse the applicant pool through assessments and other online capabilities so that when I was in the store as a people lead, I would actually be sent qualified applicants that were ready now to start work. It was quite amazing. And that was all done digitally. And so the team worked together. Think of it as an amazing sprint where they got together at the very start of the pandemic when we knew that the demands for our services with so many other things closing was going to really increase. We also wanted to make sure that we had capacity if individuals had to go off on COVID emergency leave. And they literally stood up this app and we call it the 24-hour hiring app, not quite in 24 hours, but pretty close to it. And it's operated ever since. Stepping back, there's likely lots of other examples where you can say, what have we been doing and what could we do if we apply digital to actually augment? There's still people engaged. That's the misnomer. Or that's the myth. People tend to think if there's digital, that means people go away. Absolutely not. I would contend that using this as an example, we were able to engage in employing more people because of the fact that we use technology. And so it's finding that combination between where do you lean into tech and digital? Where do you lean into your people to really provide impact? Are there any lessons for hiring for corporate roles that can be applied from this sped up process that was used primarily for hiring in-store associates? Absolutely, there are, Meredith. I wish I could say that we were moving at 24 hours (laughs) other jobs, which we're not. The complexity comes that when we look at those store jobs, they had a standard profile. So you could build the assessment and you could build the application process to more of a standard profile. When I look at our home office jobs, there's all kinds of discrete jobs that have different requirements. That all being said, we are trying to take a number of the learnings How do we leverage assessments? How do we actually streamline the interview process? How do we have fewer people? How do we, at the same point in time, whether it be frontline or what we call campus office associates, ensure that it's a process that really removes any biases and increases the candidate diversity pool? That's super important for us. And so we'll be continuing to look, but we haven't quite gotten down to the 24-hour process for our campus roles. I'd be so curious to learn if there are any examples of something that changed because of the lessons that Walmart learned from the 24-hour hiring process that you have applied to the corporate roles. Anything yet, or are we still figuring that out? Yeah, no, the campus roles for sure. We've made decisions on limiting the number of people who are part of the interview process, targeting a certain period of time, like get the candidate pool and then run fast for five days. Definitely, we've done a lot of changes specific to diversity. So we've really set the expectation that individuals have to have a diverse hiring team and that the candidate slate needs to be diverse. So that's been a big, big focus. But I would say the leverage of technology to apply, we're still in formation state. We're just not. I I wish we were further along. I'd say we're further along in, in ensuring They were focused on the diversity of those candidate pools and the diversity of the process, but technology not quite as far right now.
I'm thrilled that we can talk about how Walmart is already diversifying the workforce from the lessons learned from this 24-hour hiring process. And I know this isn't the only way that Walmart is addressing racism. I know that you've commissioned a study with McKinsey about the Black experience in the private sector. You're moving to twice-yearly reporting of your workforce's minority representation and committing $100 million over the next five years to establish the Racial Equity Center. That's a lot of different initiatives to achieve a very important goal. What are some of the changes you're already seeing as a result of these commitments? Well, Meredith, back after the tragic murder of George Floyd, we really committed to publish and provide transparency of our metrics around representation globally for gender and then specific for the U.S., every six months. And we believe transparency is important because it drives accountability. And that some of the changes that we're seeing, frankly, include the fact that year over year, we're seeing improvement, which is fantastic, specific to representation. We're very engaged in not only, once again, back to the hiring process, making sure that our candidate pools are diverse, that the hiring teams are diverse, that we consider actually educating people about racial equity. We rolled out a program that was required training for all of our officers, which are the leaders here at Walmart, around 500 people. They required them to go through a two-day program to really understand racial equity in this country, specific to the Black and African-American experience. The outcome of that is increased acceptance around listening and learning realizing that all of our experiences have not been the the same here in the U.S. and also making sure that we remove any systemic barriers that could exist to ensuring full representation of all of our associates. Ultimately, we want to be a better Walmart because everyone is able to bring their authentic selves to work and lean in. And whether that's specific to the Black and African-American experience, whether it's specific to the Asian and Pacific Islander experience, particularly as we've seen the rise, unfortunately, in Asian hate over the last year. And then for our LGBTQ plus community, this is Pride Month as well, is making sure that everybody can just be authentic. We believe that differences actually make us stronger. We also acknowledge that our communities, our country, our customers are diverse. And if we're not representative of that diversity, we're challenged. And so I would say that it is our overall aspiration that Walmart reflects the country and the communities that we serve. And our country and our communities are extremely diverse. And that's what we're we're going to continue to be focused upon through our hiring efforts, through our development efforts, and through the active work of what we call our ARGs, our associate resource groups. How are you leveraging the ARGs to help with training people, with getting people to listen and understand? You know, I think our ARGs have played a really powerful role in the last year, listening, learning, but also being advocates, things like mentoring, being sponsors for individuals, making sure that they're actively accessible to individuals that might be earlier in their careers. We also, I should say, have officer caucuses. These are individuals that have already reached the vice president level and above who spend time with those ARGs. So for instance, we have AOC, which is our African-American officer caucus that really lean into helping our Black and African-American resource group. And so that combination between 
leaders, who can mentor, who can sponsor, who can actively engage on campus. We've got a number of university and early career entry programs that are really bringing diverse candidates to the organization. We have over 700 interns that have joined us this summer, a very diverse class, which is awesome. And those ARGs help us with all of those aspects. Ultimately, we all want to find people who are who have similarities at work. Years ago, Gallup produced research, which really said if you had a best friend at work, you were more likely to be retained and more likely to feel productive about your job. Well, some of that is having similarities in terms of background. And so if our ARGs, and they absolutely do this, can bring together community on a regular basis, that can be really reassuring for individuals. I might work in a team that there's not someone who has a similar background, but I can actively engage in my ARG and that can bring that community to me. So we believe their core for attraction, their core for engaging and definitely a retaining and developing our talent. It's so true because I have a best friend at work and we do have a similar background and it really does make me feel more engaged. We can bounce things off of each other in a way that if you don't have someone with a similar background to share that with, you might not feel comfortable bouncing ideas off each other. So I'm glad to hear Walmart is working on those very important initiatives. I want to switch gears and talk a little bit about hybrid work. I know that Walmart wants a majority of its employees in the office the majority of the time come Labor Day, but it also recognizes that flexibility is really important for productivity, retention, and talent acquisition. Flexibility is going to look different for every team, but what kinds of hybrid arrangements do you expect to be the most common at Walmart? Well, in and of itself, Meredith, we want to be bold and say that flexibility shouldn't actually come with a definition. And when we say the majority of time on campus, majority for some people might be 50%. Majority for some people might be 75%. Majority for some people might be half a day, five days a week. For other people, it might be three days a week. We really, truly want flexibility to be in the forefront. And the requirement to be on campus should be driven by your job and by specific meeting mechanisms. You know, I look out and there's organizations that are saying we all shall work two days from home and these shall be those two days. Is that flexible? Does that meet me where I am? Not necessarily. Maybe I don't need two days, but maybe what I need is one week at a certain point in time of the year to work remote. And so it's challenging because we're big. And you know what? There's a lot of ambiguity. There are some people who are really comfortable with ambiguity and there's a lot of people who aren't. And so our biggest navigation come September will be to role model, have our leaders role model. Our CEO is a perfect example. He plans absolutely to be in the office, but he also plans that sometimes he'll be working remote or virtually or from his home. If he's not traveling, he might choose to be in the office more. Other times when he's traveling, it might be more of a mix. And so What we really want to provide is a mechanism to say your work is not measured by how often you're sitting in a chair in an office or standing in an office. Your work is measured by your actual performance and your productivity. And we do believe that collaboration and bringing people physically together on campus is a super magical part of our culture. In fact, being in the office myself, 
on a day like today, when there's not many people here, I'd rather actually work, work at home because I don't get the energy. But when there's a lot of people, because we've come together for a meeting, it's super exciting and it actually provides a lot of momentum and it's core to relationship building and ideation. And so what I will say is we'll navigate it together, but I would love to be able to share with you a year from now how it has contributed ideally to attracting great talent and also retaining talent that we have here at Walmart. How is Walmart guiding their workforce to have these conversations with their managers to determine what that best schedule, that in-office and versus remote schedule is for them? Are there any guidelines around how to decide this for yourself? What we have done is ask all of our segments, what we call segments, Walmart US, SAMS, International, our functional groups, lead from the top. So I'll use global people as an example. There are certain mechanisms that we really want to be in person for. When we're doing onboarding for an associate, we recommend that that's in person. When we have talent discussions, we recommend that that's in person. When we have certain meetings throughout the year, we recommend those being in person. But the reality is we have different offices. So in person might be I'm in person, but I'm still in another office and we're still leveraging Zoom. And then we're saying, aside from specialized mechanisms, where you work can be up to you and your manager. Now, if I am regularly Monday to Friday, week in, week out, not on campus, that does have to be approved. If I am choosing to work part-time, that has to be approved. So those are parameters that have to be approved. But if I am working Monday to Friday and deciding when I'm in the office and when I'm not in the office, that's something that we're really empowering our associates to work with their managers with the expectation that if there's core mechanisms that we've declared should be on campus, we want to see people on campus. Well, it sounds like we're going to have a lot to talk about next year to revisit all these great initiatives that you are instituting and these new processes that are also happening at the same time. But for now, thank you so much for sharing all that you're working on in this time period and can't wait to talk to you again. Meredith, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for listening to The Talent Economy. I'm your host, Meredith Bodkiss. You can find much more information about the talent economy on staffing.com and toptal.com slash insights, hubs for bold, comprehensive content featuring business thought leaders and authoritative research focused on the future of work.